So in lieu of the Libra new moon today and my mom's presence here, um, I thought that we would do something a little bit different and talk to another astrologer who was you. What? I have to talk? Yeah, that's what I want you to do. I want to interview you. Uh, <laughs> you want to talk to me? <laughs> no. <laughs> This is Inspired Astrology with Lauren K. Hickman, offering energy interpretation for every new moon, full moon, and significant celestial event. So in lieu of the Libra new moon today and my mom's presence here, um, I thought that we would do something a little bit different and talk to another astrologer who was you. What? I have to talk. Yeah, that's what I want you to do. I want to interview you. Uh, <laughs> you want to talk to me? <laughs> no. <laughs> Why not? Because what am I going to say? What are you going to say? Whatever. Is that turned off? <laughs> I... It's going to be recording and I can edit anything out of it, but I, I just want to talk to you about the moon and about but I don't Libra. Do, I don't do moon. You don't have to talk. We can talk about Libra. We can talk about the Capricorn energy with the Saturn, Jupiter, Pluto connection. Just anything that you want to talk about because we don't have to talk about the new moon energy today, but this is like looking at a chart of a person or what we're setting the intention for for this year. But um, it being the end of Libra season, and my mother here, Diane, um, who taught me so much about astrology, we both have our son in the seventh house. And the seventh house is ruled by Libra and is about other and the mirroring process that comes with relationships. And I think it's really interesting that you have a Cancer Capricorn cardinal opposition with your sun and rising and I have an Aries Libra cardinal opposition with my sun and rising and I always thought that was really kind of neat um, but so the new moon today we have um, of course the sun and moon are conjunct in Libra um, here in Milwaukee it's a very at the very top of the chart and we have that in direct square to the stellium of Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto. Stellium meaning that we have three planets just lined up right next to each other, kind of like a pile up in traffic. And when we have stelliums like this, um, it, it brings our attention very closely to what these planets each individually represent, what they do collectively, and the energy that they're they're portraying, which is Capricorn. And all of this is in a, in a T-square to Mars and retrograde in Aries right now. So we have a cardinal T-square at this moment in time, um, which is always an indicator of tensions and things that need to be brought to our attention so that they can be healed and revealed, so to speak. Um, so we, we can talk about the Capricorn stellium if you want to, Mom, or... What, what you're kind of gathering from looking at the energy of today. Hmm. Well, it's in the 12th house. So mm -hmm. what does that mean? It's hidden. It's not obvious. It's internal. 
So it has to be kind of individually discovered with intention because it's not going to be outwardly expressed. The energy of Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto. Correct. In, in Capricorn in the 12th house. Mm-hmm. So how, I mean, I've talked so much about that in my um, in my readings this year, and I think that it's in the mind of all the astrologers out there, kind of the Jupiter-Pluto uh, conjunction, or what was it? The conjunction in, on, that happened on January 12th of this year is when kind of COVID hit the United States and a lot of, you know, a lot of upheaval happening. Um, you know, with Capricorn ruling corporations, the military systems, structures, money. organization. Finance, money. Uh-huh. Um, well, you have to look at each planet individually and what, what they mean and then combine the energy of the three. Mm-hmm. So when I think of Jupiter, I think of knowledge, expansion, when I think of Pluto, I think of transformation from the heart and soul. When I think of Saturn, I think of discipline. But if you take them at a more mundane level, Jupiter tends to be the fool. Um, and Saturn can be lack of. The lack of resources, the lack of discipline restraint, the restraint of resources, restraint of knowledge. So it depends on how you use this energy, if you use it at its highest level or at its lowest level. And I always like to try to take things to its highest level. So Saturn being discipline and Jupiter being knowledge, this is the time to take, to actually grow and to learn but you're going to do it more internally. You can't do it in the public because it's in the 12th house of the things that are hidden. <laughs> so it's a time for transformation and change the way we're going to do things. How are we going to do things going forward? Well, right now, people are working from home. Mm-hmm. And personally, I think that's a good thing. I think in the future, if we continue that type of work, we're going to have less pollution, less carbon emissions, less traffic, less expense to people, mm-hmm. to both corporations and to the employees. Um, they'll get to stay home, they'll be more comfortable, they'll be more productive, and ultimately maybe the cost of products will come down a little bit because they don't have the outward expenses. But this is all going to be done in Milwaukee anyway. I don't know what it's like in other cities, but in Milwaukee area, this is going to be done more internally, behind the scenes. So it's, it's for each individual to decide how they use this energy. They use it in a mundane, unconscious way, or do they take it to the higher levels of consciousness? and use it as discipline and gain knowledge and transformation of the way things are done in the Capricorn energy. Like Lauren said, Capricorn rules our business and it rules our finances and it rules our military. 
So will we change the way we do this kind of business? And personally, because when Pluto goes into Aquarius, I don't have good predictions for that. Mm-hmm. I don't like what I'm feeling. And unless we can change the way we do Capricorn energy, we will not do Aquarian energy well. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, you know, let's talk more about that. We, you know, I, I wrote some this week about moving from the Earth Age, which are these, um, what do they call them? Generational planets, you know, the ones that are very slower moving on the outer rims, which would include Pluto. And it would include... You know, Saturn's a little closer to us and Jupiter, but but they they really um, are the they're the ones that bring us into a new era. And Capricorn, you know, being an Earth sign and representing material things and earthly matters, which includes again finances because that's the exchange of material goods, which are what are they? They're reflections of energy. Right, like we have, and of what we value, and what we value, totally. So, what you know, as a Capricorn sun sign, you know, what does it mean for us collectively to do Capricorn well before we move into Aquarius? Well, as a Capricorn, we tend to (laughs) we tend to think my way's the highway; it's the best way of doing things. And we are very, um, can be very stubborn and very detached or appear to be detached. We're not. We just appear to be detached because we can step outside and see a bigger picture. So for me, as a Capricorn, it's learning how to hear other people's ideas and to encourage incorporate those thoughts into my way of thinking because I'm not necessarily always right even though I think I am Mm -hmm. and I want people to think I am but it's about becoming more flexible Um, esoterically Capricorn is the energy where we relinquish our control and realize there's a better way we enter the, the door on bended knees. We become more flexible. Our weak area is our knees. If we're going to have a weak spot, Capricorns tend to have it in the knee area because we're so inflexible. But when we learn to become flexible and to enter the door on bended knees, saying we will accept a new way, a new thought, then we have we've grown. We've we, we have evolved in our consciousness. Where am I going with this? No, it's, <laughs> I mean it makes a lot of sense. And um, I I think about you know Capricorn when it's in its in its highest form, it lets people screw up. You know, to be the teacher, you know, Capricorn mm-hmm. has a natural leadership quality. It's that kind of, that goat fish yeah. that... If you want something done, you ask a Capricorn to do it because they're going to, they're just going to do it. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. You've always said that, but, but then there's a control component that comes in there. Mm-hmm. And so in the stellium, we're dealing with, with the powers that be, Saturn representing, to me, I feel like patriarchy is underneath the Saturn 
rulership. Yeah. The father figure in yeah. Capricorn is ruled by the father figure. Mm-hmm. Right. So we have old systems of, of patriarchy and, um, you know, putting men on pedestals or that, that that's the way that it has to be done through the assertive forces versus the receptive forces of the more feminine mm-hmm. um, concepts. And we're in Libra season, which is, it tends to be a more feminine, receptive process because, you know, ruled um, exoterically by Venus, um, esoterically by Uranus, which is an influencer in today's chart. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Capricorn has to learn to let everybody have their part. And it's okay to be a leader and a diplomat, Libra energy during the season and and not have to control the outcome of everything you know you let you have to let your students fuck up you have to let them fall on their butts and mess up until they can find the better way which capricorn is always evolving doing things the better way well with saturn square the moon right now because moon represents the mothering energy the mothering nurturing energy and saturn represents the father structure energy. So there's a real friction between the two today mm-hmm. that has to be addressed. Mm-hmm. And this sets the tone for this, you know, the next 28 days, the cycle. You know, mm-hmm. we'll move into the full moon with Scorpio and Taurus here in a couple of weeks. But mm-hmm. this is the this is a finishing with Libra season. Mm-hmm. And with Mars in retrograde (laughs) and squaring the father energy and in opposition to the mother energy and Mars representing desire and survival and willpower who's going to win out here? the mother or the father energy are we going to stay the same or are we going to move forward into the more feminine energy? Well, with Mars being in retrograde throughout almost through the rest of the year, I mean, we have a couple more months of Mars and Aries in retrograde. I think that's like an internalized or like a reins on a horse, you know, hold back. Soft, softer energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's a relinquishing that happens or at least a, um, a self-reflection. Oh my to... gosh, we've got a lot of planets in retrograde, don't we? Yes, we do. Uranus, Neptune, um, Mercury. Mercury. Mars and Chiron. Mm-hmm. Interesting. How do you feel about retrograde periods? I mean, they're happening all the time, but when you have the, you know, the outer planets doing their pause. Um, it, and again, it becomes more internalized instead of outwardly decided. Like, interesting that Uranus, which is outer in light, enlightenment mm-hmm. is opposite Mercury which is our mind um, Uranus is the higher function of Mercury mm-hmm. so we have our mind in retrograde opposite Uranus the higher enlightening function so there's a tension between that and how we think mm-hmm. and because we are all shut in right now it has to be done internally. We can't do it in public. We have to do it in our homes and in our apartments. But I love Uranus. It is dare to be different. 
it's what shines the light on everything in our chart when it touches it. So it's shining the light on how we think going forward, how we speak, how we communicate. And with Mercury and Scorpio, it's pretty intense and deep right now. Do you get the sense that there will be a revealing that happens with, you know, with Mercury in Scorpio in retrograde? It'll go direct the day before the election. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that I think about that, but uh, for us personally, we don't have to talk about the election transits. That's not what we're here no, for no, today. No. But, you know, I think personally, Scorpio is the investigator. It's the detective. And mm-hmm. it could be a revealing process, especially with that tension um, with Uranus right now. Yeah. Because they'll be, I mean, with the Mercury retrograde, it's not moving too fast. So yeah. it'll be, they'll be sitting opposite for another couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, and really this is the collective consciousness and the shift that it makes. Will we shift to a new way of thinking or will we stay in the old way of Saturn? Mm -hmm. And this is collectively. Mm -hmm. Who's going to win out? And right now we're in kind of a 50-50 battle and have been for quite a while, Mm -hmm. for a number of years, where we're just on that shift between tipping over into the more Aquarian the Aquarian age of humanitarianism or are we going to stay in the old age of materialism, individual identity power dynamics exactly right um, so this is this is up to our collective consciousness and what people around the world are actually putting out this isn't just Milwaukee this is yeah. humanity in general yeah. Yeah. So what she means by that, folks, is that when we when we cast a chart, you know, the aspects are the same. You know, it doesn't matter where you are on planet Earth, that Uranus is opposite Mercury and we have squares for the moon and sun to the Capricorn stellium. But the chart that Diane's looking at, my mom is looking at, is uh, Casper here in Milwaukee, which will identify the placements of the rising sign and what houses the activity of the planets are taking place. So this will be pretty true of most of the Midwest, um, the fresh coast that we're on here in Wisconsin. Um, but, but the energies that we're discussing, it doesn't matter if it's hidden or not with the 12th house. There is an internalized process happening here with the retrogrades, with working from home. Um, and to, to touch a little bit on that choice component, that's, that's the Libra um, sitting on the fence. You know, we have two pathways before us. And um, that, that leads me to bring up a conversation about the difference between mundane, transpersonal, and esoteric astrology. Um, uh, Diane here spent many years studying uh, the Bailey material on esoteric astrology, and it's not something easily mastered because it doesn't really apply to the age that we're living in yet. Um, it's, it's hard to look at esoteric material because we're all still personalities.
All right, so that leads us to the next um, conversation about the difference between mundane, transpersonal, and esoteric astrology. So just getting your thoughts on um, esoteric astrology and what, what it applies to with this chart. Well, Libra, in esoteric astrology, Libra represents the birthing of the Christ consciousness. So you have to decide what that means to you. And Uranus, again, it's the enlightenment. It's being enlightened to what our true essence is. And you describe Christ consciousness. What is it to you? Sure. Um, you know, I don't know how many listeners out there um, identify with Christianity. Um, it, so when we say Christ consciousness, we're not talking about... Uh, Jesus as a as a historical figure, but what Jesus represents in the awakening process of being a human being. So to take on the Christ consciousness is to become soul infused, to become the highest part of God that you can on the physical plane while still existing in a physical body. So the birthing of Christ consciousness is to select the path for Libra and choosing soul versus existing in personality. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's that's the path to awakening consciousness. When you realize that you're not out there by yourself, that we're all one, mm-hmm. and we, we, we can't go home till we all go home. Exactly. So every choice that you make individually matters. The choices that you make on... Selecting um, a life that's focused on um, social welfare and spiritual becoming, making um, right relationship choices, which is a part of what Libra um, honors. And when I say right relationship, it's referring to you know the, the Buddhist principles about right conduct, right effort, etc. And right relationship is how we interact with other beings. And another being can be your faucet. It can be your pants, your underwear, your car. But, um, you know, people and animals and our environment are the kind of the, the biggest things that we relate with that we're aware of. So by honing in on your conscious relationship with everything that you interact with. It's finding that the middle way. In Libra, you find the middle way. Scorpio and that's a whole nother story well, <laughs> well we're pretty close to Scorpio season so do you want to talk on that about you know the transformation piece of it it's you know exoterically ruled by Pluto and Mars and you know Scorpio is about really diving deep mm-hmm. it's about releasing the material world about realizing that bling is not what's important and it's, it's about releasing your attachment to the material world and esoterically, if you don't get that right in this lifetime, you get to do it again, but you probably go back to Libra where you've got to find the middle road again. Mm-hmm. So, but once you, once you do Scorpio right, once you release the attachment to the material world, then you see your path home in Sagittarius. You, you become focused, and now the arrow the point that points home is realized and you become the, the disciple 
or the is it dweller on the, the threshold? The dweller on the th- yeah, that's yeah. that's the term that comes before discipleship. Mm-hmm. The, the dweller, dweller, the dweller on the threshold. Uh-huh. And we're you know we are using some esoteric terminology that are based on the Bailey material. Um, if anyone's familiar with the Alice Bailey series or um, Theosophy that kind of movement that came about at the turn of the century, specifically in the 1930s, which was such a big era of change, including the Saturn and Pluto kind of dynamic at that time. Well, that's and, I think Pluto was discovered, wasn't that, in the mm-hmm, 30s? In 1930, yep, so transformation. Um, so, you know, because I don't really apply this in my own work, and we mentioned earlier about how esoteric astrology is sort of the astrology for the future, because we aren't soul integrated yet there there's a happening you know there's this big flux of energy coming in right now where we are kind of waking up to our potential consciousness so that's why it was brought in as sort of a precursor to times ahead but when you talk about uh, like what would your for example what would your be what would your advice be to someone with a lot of scorpio placements i mean you you're talking to an audience here who have many placements in scorpio myself included having four planets in Scorpio. Well, so you think about what, what does Scorpio represent? It represents the occult. And I don't mean black magic necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean the occult, which is the spiritual knowledge. Mm-hmm. The inner information. The inner information. The, the stuff that's not necessarily revealed openly, but you have to go and search for. Mm-hmm. So if you're on that path, you're going to have to look for it. It's not just, well, I know where it's at, <laughs> but that was the path that I chose that gave me the answers. But we all have to find our own answers, but you have to do the research and find what feels right for you because we all come from such different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people enter the path from the magical standpoint. And, uh, you know, we talked about those three layers, magical being the mundane, transformational being that kind of middle ground or mysticism, and then the esoteric being the occult wisdoms. And we all have to enter the path um, typically from the magical standpoint, depending on how far we've evolved in past lives, what we're attracted to. So the, the magical path would be things like tarot, and um, mundane astrology and um, the magical ritual components that are so popular now today and in, in use with crystals and um, different ritualistic practices, uh, even the way that we treat our homes or house magic, so to speak. But then when we realize that we're trying to cast our influence on the world around us by inf- in, um, imposing our will on our environment, we're missing an opportunity to look within, which is when you get to the mystical component, is is then when you step over that bound and, and, okay, well, I don't need to do this. I can look towards something outside of myself to create meaning, which is a step in the right direction. But ultimately, in, in esoteric wisdom, we understand that we are all the books that one needs. We are the reflection of spirit here in the physical world and that our truth and what resonates for us personally is that, you know, we, we are God. We are God with a little G. We are a piece of the bigger whole and we don't have to look towards books and psychics and mediums and other outside information to give us meaning. We are meaningful. 
we are not separate from God. We are God. Mm-hmm. There is no separation. Exactly. We, we are God. And if the G word is a trigger word for you, you know, consider the creative force or all that is, or, you know, some people use the word universe, but, you know, here we use that word God as what... All encompassing. I mean, it'd be all that is. Doesn't matter what you... All, I don't care what it, what you call it. God is that, that all powerful knowing energy that you can't really describe. So even, you know, what uh, Diane Sweet, who is my teacher and a friend of my my mother's, is she says that, you know, everything is God. So the chair that you're sitting on, the phone that you're listening to this in, the, the paint on the wall has consciousness. And consciousness is that God force, is that truth. So, you know, our that's why living your life with intention is pertinent to the evolution of the whole. And I mean, that brings us back to the Libra season that we're in, and our choices, our decisions affect the greater good. So to tap into the Christ consciousness, the birthing of that is to recognize that you are a part of the whole and that you matter, that you are so precious. And by you engaging with your life in a meaningful way and not sleeping through the process of being a community member, you know, because Libra and, and its in its greatest service is not just about art and beauty. It's about justice and group relationship, group consciousness. It's about love. Yes, it is about love. That's love. Yeah. <laughs> Pisces is unconditional love. Libra is love. It's where we learn love. Mm-hmm. And we work towards becoming unconditionally loving. You know, and we want to touch in on, you know, the, depending on what your your son and oh, your right... Oh, I just noticed. Okay, so we've got Neptune in Pisces, which I just talked about, unconditional love, in opposition to Venus, mm-hmm. love, mm-hmm. In, in Virgo. In Virgo. In service. In service. In true service. I mean, yeah, interesting. So we're struggling between love and unconditional love. There's a tension between the two right now, pulling everybody. But again, not Milwaukee, mm-hmm. worldwide. This is everyone. Mm-hmm. Love and unconditional love, and the meaning of true service. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, Neptune rules so many. Th- you know, she's talking about unconditional love versus personal love, and. You know, how we move into unconditional love is not through pity or sympathy. You know, first you have to get to empathy and, and forgiveness. Then, and forgiveness, absolutely, which is part of the Christ consciousness. What what Jesus brought through, Master Jesus brought through was this concept of forgiveness. Forgiveness of yourself mm-hmm. and then forgiveness of others. You can't forgive others until you forgive yourself mm-hmm. for whatever you think you have things to be forgiven for mm-hmm. can I bring in Course in Miracles yeah please bring in Course in, yeah, Course in Miracles is one of my mom's favorite texts out there and, and for those of you not familiar with it it was brought in through this in the 70s through a conscious mediumship uh, it was a 
two two people, right? Yeah, to educate, yeah. mm-hmm. two educators, two educators that um, brought through what's called automatic writing or conscious mediumship, and brought through this course in miracles, uh, which she's going to talk about now. It, to me, it is not a addendum to our Bible. It is the new Bible. It was written by Jesus through these two individuals, neither of which who were religious, they were educators, trying to find a better way to get along. And it took about, I believe, seven years to write this book, and it's been out there since the 70s. And I'm going to put a plug in for a book called Oh, don't do it. I can't do it. She's doing Yeah, you can. I can't do it. I have yeah. to do it. Yeah, Disappearance of the Universe. Disappearance of the Universe by Gary Renard. And if you want to investigate A Course in Miracles, I would highly recommend reading his book first because it gives you a good introduction on how to read A Course in Miracles. I agree with that. And just using it, but using discernment about the fifth dimensional beings that he's communicating with. But that's his, that's the Holy Spirit's way for him to understand. Right. The Holy Spirit gave him the information in the best way that he could take it in and have have meaning for him. Mm -hmm. So it's not about fifth dimension beings, it's just for him to understand. Right. Yeah. So I know Diane takes. Mm-hmm. Takes what's what do I want? Takes uh, something with that. Mm-hmm. Takes a grain of salt, you know. Yeah. She's she, you know. This we're talking about my teacher who, you know, is she's very discerning, and um, and and part of that is understanding that you have to know what you're looking at. For those who are on the spiritual search and the spiritual path, there is so much illusion out there, delusion out there online. There's so much, you know, dark information that can be reached and so much light and in, in, in truly inspired information out there. So, um, you know, so use your discernment, but disappearance of the, of the universe is a really accessible way to start the journey with Course in Miracles, which is a treatise on forgiveness mm-hmm. and, and real love and also about the illusion of reality and e- even guilt being an illusion to keep you separate, that your ego creates these these separate ways of, you know, keeping us from recognizing our spiritual reality, who we are. Mm-hmm. In fact, I just woke up yesterday thinking about how much ego doesn't want to let us go with all that's going on right now. I, I felt like maybe we're close to our rising in consciousness collectively because there's so much being thrown at us right now between wildfires and hurricanes and pandemics and... The elections. The elections, right, yeah. <laughs> that this is an ego's way of keeping us here because it keeps us in fear. And when you're in fear, we're in control, you know, we're being controlled. So every time we solve a problem, whether it's polio or AIDS or whatever, ego is going to come up with something else to throw at us, to put us back into fear, to make us think this is real, that where we're living is real, when it's really just an illusion. Oh my gosh, we're getting so off track here. No, this is perfect. I'm sorry. No, 
Okay, so d discuss what you mean by illusion. Some people, you know, are very attached to the physical world. Other people feel like heaven is where we get to exist in true state, that we're living in hell currently. What is your take on that? Well, this kind of is hell. Because we, we don't think we're in heaven. In heaven, we really never left heaven. We just think we left heaven. And we think this is what is real. Because it's like a movie that we're playing in our head and we create whatever movie we want. And for some of us, we create ugly movies and for other, others, we create beautiful movies. So you have a choice as far as I'm concerned. So the, pro the projection, everything around us, you know, if we are in union consciousness, that that's true reality, right? Mm -hmm. And that this is a projection that breaks things up into individual cells, you know, a separate consciousness, mm -hmm. even though it is one, but it's being, it's being uh, dissolved into what feels scattered, right? But we're all seeking other, the Libra energy. Mm -hmm. And so the things that we see in others that we love, are things that we love about our divine selves and the things that we despise in others are reflections of the things that we find irritating in our own ego consciousness yes right yes you know so that that's the um as above so below concept mm -hmm. right but but if this is an illusion you know tell me more about how how people can feel less fractured by that you know because it's very real when you get cut it's very real when you feel emotional pain you know, so how, how could you just describe to a viewer your illusion concept about forgiveness? Well, we have control over pain. I mean, if you're really, I mean, some people don't feel pain because they have that kind of control over it. So is that a consciousness move that we can I think, develop our I, consciousness? I think so, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, how many times do you go, have, I mean, I do all the time, and maybe others do and they're not even aware of it. How often do you go to a grocery store and you need something on a shelf and it's just not there? And you go in your mind, it has to be here. And pretty soon, there it is. You see it. <laughs> I do this all the time because I accept that this life is an illusion, that it's something that's just kind of made up, and I have control over that illusion, and I can change it. So I can find that bottle of ketchup that I like that wasn't there a minute ago. But I think as we become more in the middle road and our choices in life become more correct. Or qualified would be another way of yeah. putting it. Um, that we have dimensions that collapse in on us. And that's where we want to collapse all those other lives so that we are on the one true path home. And the way you get home is through forgiveness. You forgive yourself for things you never really did because you're really not here. And you forget others for the things they do to you because they didn't really do it to you because they're not really here either. We're all home in heaven with God in that beautiful place whatever you see it as being so the only way to get back there is through our lessons of forgiveness and that's hard for most people oh gosh 
Well, it's, it's beautiful. And I think, you know, I'll try to ground some of that information a little bit that, you know, to come back to Libra, Libra is about choice and decisions, right? And at any given moment, the, the oh, scale, the scale. the scale, which one do I choose? Which one do I choose? We want the balance. We do want the balance. Um, so at any, any moment in time, we have 360 degrees of decision around us. And so, you know, maybe the energy draws us closer and closer, closer towards one choice. And so you take a step forward. And in that step, you are greeted with another 360 degrees around you of a new choice. And you can keep pulling in that direction. But think about if your consciousness had made a different choice at a different time in your life. Um, this is something I speak with my clients about all the time, and I'm, I'm sure mom does too in the, in the past. And that um, we have guilt or shame or um, regret about choices that we didn't make in the past. But or that we did make. Or that we did make. Yeah, you come at that crossroads and you have two ways to go. Which way do you go? Well, you put the energy out there. You've chosen to either go left or you've chosen to go right. Well, if you choose to go right, you're going to have one path. But the energy has been sent out there to go left. And so that left choice exists as well. That's what we're talking about here. In our here. holographic existence. Uh-huh. So, the, yeah, the holographic existence means that the choices that you did or didn't make in the past still exist on one of the planes, one of the dimensions that we exist upon because we are multi-dimensional beings and there are multiverses out there that we are existing upon. So we're in this streamline of our consciousness right now, you listening to me and my mom and wherever you are in space at this moment. But the more that we integrate our process of choice and feel unified in our movements forward, the more we collapse in on those other dimensions of the past, the present and the future. So if we agree to the idea that this this reality is an illusion, there is no past, present, and future. There is only one. And in that unity, when we heal the present, we're healing the past. We're unifying our consciousness into one oneness reality, which is whole. There is no fractures in that. And it's only because of illusions of ego consciousness, that which is keeping us separate from our unity consciousness, that we believe that we are fractured or not whole, right? Yeah. I think I think I explained that yeah. okay. Past, present, and future has already occurred. We're just we're just ex- experiencing it because we live in time. Mm-hmm. Time is an illusion, but we live in time, so past, present, and future has to be ex- experienced in time. Mm-hmm. Experienced in time. So, I mean, I think as someone who experiences deja vu on a regular basis, I constantly feel like I'm dreaming my life. And it's been that way since I was a teenager. And it can it can feel like, oh, I'm in alignment. Or it can feel like, oh, I've been here before. I've dreamed this before. Which, I don't know. I mean, we could get into the astral plane. We could get into all, you know, our dreaming lives versus our awake lives. But, you know, what we're saying here is that you doing your work now here in this reality and forgiving yourself, forgive yourself in all of your different manifestations. You know, who you were as a 12 year old is not the same as who you are as an adult person. 
and you know the the choices and the reality of your childhood and the things that traumatize us that's a human trait no one gets out alive right and no one gets to experience this reality without suffering because that is duality consciousness that's the as above so below that fracture anything you want to say about this nope go on <laughs> so I think that I mean that touches a lot into that Libra consciousness of the, 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 the degrees of decision that we make and folding in those realities to be more unified in our steps forward, you know, in the way that we, that we relate. And that's again the birthing of Christ consciousness from an esoteric level. So and then you know, I keep thinking about Uranus and its placement in the chart right now, but also that it's it's the esoteric ruler of Libra and it's representing of rebellion of social justice and change and revolution, which we are seeing on such a mass scale right now. Individuals collecting together, we're not gonna take it anymore. We're not gonna allow these injustices to happen that we're not all on the same egalitarian plane. And that's that's fighting back of the, of the, the powers that be, the patriarchy, the dynamics of power that have come in from the past. Um, that's worked that's worked historically mm-hmm. and you know i i do want to shift the conversation a little bit to it having been um indigenous people's day on monday this week mm-hmm. and uh this concept of shifting shifting back into matriarchy versus the patriarchy um and what would you want to say about that i think it's essential that we do it mm-hmm. And not just because I'm a woman, but because women traditionally are the healers. They're the ones that give birth to new life, whether it be in the gardens, as the indigenous women were in charge of the gardens and the growing because men were the killers. They didn't allow men into their gardens because men were the killers and they don't want death in their garden. They need to give life to it. Um, and this might be just true to one one or other population. This isn't a blanket term about No, that. I'm thinking about indigenous I the, the Indians from the state I'm in, the indigenous women, mm-hmm. the Iowa Indians. Mm-hmm. And the Squawky in Iowa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But I'm sure that's probably true in many indigenous cultures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just don't want to make the presumptions about... That's true. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Okay. Um, but but men, we need men. We're you know we're not separate. We all carry male and female energies, and we need to embrace both of them and recognize them in others, whether they're male or female, and and recognize it. It doesn't matter. You know, spirit. Spirit does, has no gender, and we are just spirit. So if we can see the spirit in others, we don't even we don't see gender, and it makes no difference. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. I just twisted that around. That we need women to be in power, but we're, we are genderless and spirit, so it really shouldn't make any difference. Yeah, but things are out of balance, and I think yeah. that's what, what we're trying to communicate is, you know,
know, find, finding the feminine balance again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The yeah. divine masculine, the divine feminine in all of us, you know, and, and that's, again, not about gender. I mean, these are, these are about the qualities of the dark and the light, the yin and the yang, the creative and destructive forces um, that are represented in our dualistic world as the, the feminine and masculine qualities. So this, we're not trying to talk about gender, but more about the the properties mm-hmm. of what they what they represent. Yeah. Yep. That's neat. So, well, it's been a real treasure getting to chat with my mom <laughs> about astrology and about esoteric wisdoms, which is what really brought our bond together. You know, 20 years ago when we both got the opportunity to you know, reawaken something in my mother and for me to, um, to find a path that felt resonant with my true self, you know, because we all have a choice. We can go one way or another. Um, and I know for me, destruction and self-sabotage was one, one road that I was walking down and then choosing one of integration, which was the harder path, uh, and that's the one that I've been treading for many years now. And it's been a fluctuation process. You don't, you know, you don't just wake up and make a choice and say, okay, I'm gonna heal. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, this is this is a watching the fruition of the seeds that you've planted in your previous life in this season, right? Harvests and autumn, what that represents in the northern hemisphere. Um, in the southern hemisphere, they are planting seeds right now, and new moons are a, a planting seed time. Um, so you, you have to give yourself time to change. There has to be a creative cyclical process of, of this happening. And I think that doing the new moon and full moon reports the last couple of years has really taught me about honoring the cycles of life and honoring our, our changing process, our transformation process, knowing that we're all stepping closer and closer to death, which is part of the reality but we are stepping closer and closer to the development of our consciousness and the seeds that we'll plant for the next life, you know, and the resources that we're attending to this life and how that will affect not only your progeny, but you in a future life. The resources, the right use of relationship and right resources now will only contribute to the way that the world is in the future. If they have to come. If you get it right now, you don't have to come back. <laughs> I'm working on that. Indeed. But the more soul you become, the more incredible it is to be here on University Planet Earth. Oh, yeah. This is a cool place. Mm-hmm. This, this is a really, really cool place. But it's not your permanent home. And with that, I will close for today's session. And um, thank you for listening. Uh, This is Lauren K. Hickman, Inspired Astrology, signing off for now. You can find Lauren on Instagram at Lauren K. Hickman or schedule a personal reading. Please donate to support this work.